This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Art Cloud. Trusted by thousands of galleries, artists, and collectors worldwide, Art Cloud's all in one art management solution and integrated art marketplace is the fastest growing of its kind. Use Art Cloud's marketplace to discover and buy exceptional pieces tailored for your taste, share your favorites with friends and fellow art enthusiasts, and use the app to visualize artwork in your own space. If you're an artist or gallery, plug into ArtCloud's best-in-class art management platform, including easy-to-use client inventory management, sales assistance, and the opportunity to grow your business by listing your art on ArtCloud's booming marketplace. Ready to explore ArtCloud? Registration is free, so sign up now on ArtCloud.com, spelled A-R-T-C-L-D.com, and request a demo today. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're joined by Vivian Chow, journalist and culture critic at Variety QZ and the South China Morning Post. She's also the founder of a nonprofit educational initiative, the Cultural Journalism Campus. You can find all of her writing and more at VivianChow.com. Vivian wrote a fascinating article this past week in the South China Morning Post on a new generation of young Chinese collectors. Vivian, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank you. In your story, you highlight some interesting young Chinese collectors who recently have started to travel to Europe to immerse themselves in museums, studios, studio visits, art fairs. Share with us some of the details of these collectors and what's their motivation for going on these art ventures outside of mainland China? Let's give us uh, a profile of um, these collectors that I met um this summer so quite a lot of them are actually are, are pretty young uh in a sense young in a sense that actually i've met some of them are still in their 20s um going there with the they might be going there with their parents and then some some of them are uh in the early 30s um but most of them are definitely uh most of them are 40 or younger than uh, younger, young, younger than forty. So um, they are ver- they are already very well travelled. They are very well educated. They live between. Um, they don't. They don't necessarily live uh, all the time in China. They will. They will be living between Beijing and Los Angeles, or be- between Beijing and uh, or Shanghai and um, uh, London. And so it's a, it's a very different generation of um, uh, Chinese people to begin with. So it's not just uh, not not just collectors, and uh, they're very well educated. They're uh, well educated in the sense that um, they they um, they uh, they're educated in the quite a lot of them were educated in the West. Um, so these are like these are the second or third generation of um, very well-off Chinese people who first found their fortune um, after the um, after the opening up of China in the early eighties. Um, so they um, so they they come from a very different background and compared to collectors of the older generation. The older generation um, might be people who come from um, like they're the first generation who 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 made uh, the self-made um, um, billionaires uh, from the like after after the opening of. 
China in the early 80s. And so they they, they grew up in a very um, affluent environment. So unlike the older generation who grew up you know, during the Cultural Revolution, very difficult times. Um, so their exposure and the experiences are very, very different. Um, and uh, and they're also very well read. And um, the the one of the interesting thing is that not necessarily so into flaunting their wealth, uh, which is quite different uh, from uh, the, I guess the impression of a lot of I mean, people's impression of um, wealthy Chinese people. Um, I think when Chinese when China's economy first took off um, um, maybe over a decade ago, and you see a lot of um, what you call the novel rich, like the new rich class, and uh, and now you don't you don't see that kind of you don't see that trait uh, among this generation of people anymore. Um, yes, uh, you, they're very well they're very well dressed. Um, they um they they would still they they live a luxurious life but and um but they you don't you don't see them okay wearing labels or the uh for pet to toe um they're just really um um properly dressed and very stylish they look like um they look like a model popping out from folk magazine or um, you know, uh, all, uh, just really cool, stylish, um, well-educated people, and um, and they are, and they also you can you can you can tell that they're also very passionate about art. They're very interested in learning more about art and to try to find art that actually make a personal statement. Um, Try to find pieces that um, that match their personality, and to show and to show um, others or people who would have a chance to appreciate their collection to understand, you know, what they um, what they their their their, their particular taste um, in a, in a certain in a, in a certain area. So, um, in a way, it's very, very different, and their the, the taste would also be very different. They're more into experimental, more subtle works, um, not necessarily not necessarily works on the cover of an auction catalog. It's interesting in your article in the South China Morning Post, you mentioned that um, in the past a lot of Chinese collectors relied on auction houses and auction sales for really educating uh, educating them on art. Um, how much have Chinese collectors relied on these things for art education? And with this trend of younger collectors, is that finally changing? Uh, well, it's definitely very different now um, because... Um, we have much more... We have a lot more opportunities to... Um, the art uh, these days. Um, I think unlike uh, unlike the West, um, people in the West they grew up with what, what going to museums. You have school trips uh, to different museums. 
since you're a child, like primary school days. But over here, it's very different. Um, even in even in Hong Kong, um, no, I'm I'm. I think for now, okay, I'm not talking about the, um, I'm not talking about the uh, collectors in particular, but I'm talking about like in general, the general public. Um, our, the, the museums in uh, in this part of the world, okay, excluding Japan, excluding um, Korea, uh, excluding Taiwan. Um, so the, the museums in, say, for example, Hong Kong and Hong Kong and mainland China are uh, not very well developed, or they were not very well developed. Uh, both China definitely have better museums than Hong Kong at this point. But um, so, and the appreciate the I think a lot of a lot of these museums, even if they have museums, they focus on traditional, you know, classical fine arts, Chinese fine art, rather than um, contemporary art or um, Western classical pieces so we don't really have that many opportunities to to expose ourselves to um to contemporary art and western western art to begin with um it's uh um unless you travel uh abroad so um the kind of um education that most people um get to expose i mean art uh, visual art education that local people that people here are uh, exposed is very different from that of the west and um it wasn't until these auction houses like Sotheby's Christie's where they started doing I mean they have been selling um here uh, in Hong Kong for a very long time um but there was a time I think around um 10, 15 years ago, and then suddenly all these um, auction houses they they began um, they they began um, um, expanding the scale of sales and um, uh, and a lot of uh, and and these new um, the the new uh, rich people from mainland China they would go to Hong Kong they would they would be visiting these um, auction. Uh, auctions in Hong Kong because Hong Kong was, I mean, Hong Kong is the closest point um, to um, mainland Chinese. I mean, to get out to to cross the border, so um, it was very easy to um, to to go to to go to Hong Kong at the time and then go to these auctions and um, and a lot of the times these auction houses they would bring. Um, they feature contem- contemporary art in the in the in in the sale, and also um, they would they would showcase like impressionist modern pieces um, at the preview exhibition. So gradually, this is a this is a, this this is how people get to get to see these works probably for the first time. Um, so that was how it all started, and now uh, it's very different, of course, because you get to travel uh, much more, um, and there are much more. There, there are so many more museums. Like recently in Beijing, there was a show um, at a private museum on Andy Warhol. So people get to see it. It's a public place, a, a private museum opening to the public, and then um, recent uh, and just. This summer in Beijing, 
uh, but today's museum, they show um, a, a range of digital um, media um, exhibition. So there are experimental large scale works also open to the public. So the, the kind of exposure is already very different now compared to 15 years ago. And they are um, and, and people are more receptive towards um, large scale uh, experimental contemporary art. And like Anthony Gormley just opened a law museum in Shanghai. So it's uh, the, the kind of the environment that they that people grew up now is very, um, very, very different. But of course, auction still plays an important role that these people would still go to auction previews. It was still probably a bit at auctions, but then the, the, um, but as, but as they are exposed to more, um, a greater variety at you know, different different areas, uh, different occasions, the art fairs, museums, and the past summer, the um, well, documenta and the Munster sculpture project in Venice Biennale and um, an art Basel. So they they tour um, basically that's their their itinerary. So then they get to see a lot more works that are much more experimental works that probably that probably won't make it to museums in China and um, so they they would have that they would they would and that I think that would influence their taste in art a lot yeah so I'm curious about how this may impact the have a long-term impact on the uh Chinese art scene by these individuals that you profiled going outside of China to educate themselves on different artists, even artists who aren't Chinese. So does that look, does that mean the future of Chinese art collecting um, includes collectors collecting a lot more artists who aren't Chinese? Um, or what do you see um, as to how this will impact the Chinese art scene and the art market there? I think first of all, the market for um, Chinese contemporary art has cooled down a lot over the past um, couple of years. Um, and um, I think one of the, I think people talk about the bubble and, um, um, yeah, people talk about the bubble. <laughs> people talk about the bubble, but um, I think one, probably one reason contributes to that is um because um the Chinese collectors and in the past they would be buying uh they they would probably be buying Chinese contemporary art for a number of different reasons uh, but then now they see that there are so many more different options out there like i have i know for a fact that um one young chinese collector i'm not going to name name um i did not uh uh, so I talked. I talked. Okay, off the record. Um, so one of the one of the young Chinese collectors I met, she she was really into Thomas Saraceno, and um, we uh, we met at Art Basel, and uh, not this year. Um, I mean, Art Basel, Switzerland, um, and um, she was she was really into those works, and she was telling me like why she was so fascinated um by those 
by 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 the by by these um by these um but spider web uh, installations and i was i was fascinated too um not only by not o- not only by the artwork but also by the way um by the way he or she talked about it and um described um the philosophy behind um the making of such uh, installation piece and um and then I and then uh, and then at that moment, and I realized just how different um, this generation of uh, Chinese collectors are. They're so um, they're, they're they're really into what's happening outside the world. They're really into something that has a greater depth, and um, where the artwork comes from or where the artist comes from, it doesn't matter as long as the work really speaks to them, which means it puts Chinese contemporary artists in a very, in a, in a, in a a different, I guess in a, in a, in a, a little bit, in a little difficult position, because that means that they, they have to raise their bar in order to get the attention of um, this, of, of young Chinese art collectors. If they want young Chinese art collectors to acquire their works, they have their works have to be really good. Their works have to be up to international standard, um, and to be able to compete with works from uh, works made by artists from all over the world. So I guess in maybe maybe in the short. Uh, in the short run, um, it might be it might it might be a bit difficult, um, but that in the long run it will most certainly raise the standard of Chinese contemporary art, because art collectors are the art collectors are the biggest critics because they they don't they don't necessarily write. Um, art, uh, like art reviews, but then they review the art by pay by buying it, the art. So they are they are most certainly the biggest critics. And if Chinese artists want to really you know get into um, that um, circle or get their artwork. Um, Acquired in by in by these uh, private collections, so they really have to up their game. Vivian, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking a bit more about the Chinese art market and specifically the fascinating trend of young Chinese collectors um, really learning about non-Chinese art abroad. Uh, If our listeners want to read any of your writing, which they should, especially this most recent article on this, they can do so at vivianchow.com. And I know you're on Twitter and Instagram often, um, tweeting and Instagramming. If our listeners want to follow you there, what are your Twitter and Instagram names? Hi, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivian Chow. Uh, also Instagram, Miss Vivian Chow. Perfect. Vivian, thanks so much again. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Thanks to ArtCloud for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Trusted by thousands of galleries, artists, and collectors worldwide, 
ArtCloud's all-in-one art management solution and integrated art marketplace is the fastest growing of its kind. Use ArtCloud's marketplace to discover and buy exceptional pieces tailored for your taste, share your favorites with friends and fellow art enthusiasts, and use the app to visualize artwork in your own space. If you're an artist or gallery, plug into ArtCloud's best-in-class art management platform, including easy-to-use client inventory management, sales assistance, and the opportunity to grow your business by listing your art on ArtCloud's booming marketplace. Are you ready to explore ArtCloud? Registration's free, so sign up now on ArtCloud.com. That's spelled A-R-T-C-L-D.com. And request a demo today.